the 235th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, throw away to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national Champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champion. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're here with you guys tonight on Selection Sunday to recap the events that transpired earlier tonight as Carolina did not hear their name called and they will not participate in the 2023 NCAA tournament, let alone the 2023 NIT. So we're here to talk about all that and so much more, but we start Every edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings, we go to a quote from Colin Powell that goes as, success is the result of perfection, hard work, learning from failure, loyalty, and persistence. And I think it's it's really fair to say that um, – this season was not a success, as Carolina will not go dancing. And I'm comfortable enough with labeling this this season as a failure. And notice I said season. Not the players, but the season was a failure. Because you literally failed to meet any of your goals you set up for yourselves in the preseason. Won an ACC regular season championship. Win an ACC tournament. Make the Final Four. Win a national championship. But the first part of that quote, success, talks about learning from failure. And maybe this is just what Hubert Davis and this program needed after last year. A year that, you know, we've talked about it so much this year that even if this team would have won the national championship, I don't know if if we would have celebrated the way we celebrated the way last season ended and then we lost in the national title game. But because of how we we got to the national title game, we celebrated and acted as if we won a national title. And I'm not I'm not bashing anybody who said who did that. Because it was really hard not to. When you win the two biggest games in the history of the greatest rivalry in sports, when you retire the greatest villain in the sport of college basketball, it's it's really hard to not just celebrate and, and walk on the moon like that. But as Armando Baycott said after the loss to Virginia, this year was really all about talking about last year. This was a team that could not get over what they did a year ago and then how they fell short when they lost the national title game. And as CBS likes to remind us while they blew the largest lead in national title game history. And so I I thought that was just a perfect quote to set up what is going to be a very trying edition of this podcast and what's going to be a very trying off season. Because it's it's evident as we sit here tonight, after two years of the Hubert Davis era, 
the program's in need of a rebuild after you became the first team to start the season preseason number one and miss the field since the tournament expanded to 64 teams. It happened three times before Carolina just, just joined them, but that was back when you were sending one, two teams to the tournament at the most. And, you know, I, I kind of preface this by saying I think we knew all along when, when Coach Davis got the job that this, this year – would be a, a a year where when it came to an end, the the program was going to go under a rebuild and a transformation because it it would be really the first time he was losing a mass exodus of guys that Coach Williams had recruited here. And then I think with the way it ended, there's no there's no way you can run it back with the same core. You can bring back certain pieces that exist on this roster. But as we kind of talked about, as Carolina just struggled through the second half of the ACC season, this was a flawed roster because the guys that had been recruited just didn't pan out the way that we wanted them to. And, you know, we weren't able to develop a bench like we wanted to because we were playing very tightly contested games in November and December and in scenarios where a lot of teams around the country are are playing softer schedules. Carolina played a top ten non conference schedule. And in the games that they should have blown out their opponents, they played good opponents like UNC Wilmington College of Charleston that they couldn't blow out. So they had to play their starters deep into the second half. And you know, buddy, this is this is the second time we've watched an NCAA tournament selection show and didn't see Carolina's name on the board. You know, had had it not happened during the 1920 year, obviously we wouldn't have seen Carolina's name. But because of the pandemic, there was no tournament, so it didn't really matter. But this hurts. Um, because I think in our wildest imaginations, the season going wrong probably looked a lot like what it looked like last year, where you enter the season the, the tournament as an eight seed or something like that. I don't think we ever thought about the possibility of of missing the tournament. Um, it became a real, uh, you know, it, it became really obvious that that was a possibility after a second four game losing streak in the season. But make no mistakes about it. As we sit here tonight, after watching the selection show, after watching three plus hours of coverage, not seeing Carolina's having a tournament game being broken down. Uh, is, is a really hard pill to swallow um, as, as a difficult season has officially come to an end. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I uh, I think we kind of knew this was coming. I think, you know, last night we, we thought maybe there was a chance, and I really do wonder if Ohio State had stayed inside of the top 50, how close Carolina actually gets to making it in the field. They came on earlier. Um, the head of the selection committee came on and talked to ESPN and explained the reason that Nevada was in the tournament, is which is just pathetic. Nevada does not deserve to be anywhere near the tournament field, in my opinion. Um, I don't even think they should be a top two seed um, in the NIT. Um, they were a team that was in the middle of that conference, they had a three-game losing streak in the Mountain West to end their season. Bowed out early in their conference tournament, and that team's in. So I I would have been interested to see, but you know what? The experts definitely got some things wrong. The experts were spot on that the ACC got no respect, that nobody thinks that this is a, a good conference. Um, and that seems to be the notion going around right now. Uh, you could see it by Carolina not making the field, Clemson not making the field. Um, and then you, you also see it in the fact that Duke is a five seed uh, as a com as a conference champ. Um, but, you know, I, I think focusing on, you know, Carolina and their situation, I, I think it's just we we did not think that we would be here at any point during this season. Um, until it got really late. We thought over and over again that this team was going to flip the switch. And I said early in the season when they were struggling 
that trying to recreate the recipe from a year ago was an extremely dangerous thought for this team and for the fan base to have because that was the mindset that the majority of the fan base had for the entire season until the very end. And now a majority of the fan base, same people, by the way, that said this, they have now completely flipped and are basically saying that, well, we should have known this because Hubert Davis is not a good head coach. And I just, I don't understand how, how people have gotten to that point. I just, this was a team that early in the season, we, we should have known. And to be honest, I don't think there was much that Hubert Davis could do about it. This team was very similar to, not not in terms of the overall talent level, but just in terms of the feeling around this team once you got in season, this team was very similar to the 1920 team. Where we knew, we knew early in that season for Carolina, I thought the game that, for me, kind of tipped it off back in that 1920 season was the game against UNC Wilmington, where you were like, hmm, something ain't right here. This this does this is not anywhere close to where this team should be. And I think this year, that game for a lot of people looking back on it should have been the Gardner Webb game. That was the game where you should have realized. Ooh, this this ain't gonna. This is not gonna be anywhere close to the season that we expected. Um, it. I thought, you know, that this was a team that had a lot of pressure on them, and that eventually they'd get it figured out after that stretch. I thought they would go out to Portland and have some really nice success out there. And look, even when they came back from Portland, I didn't really think that it was. This team was in bad shape. I said, okay, Iowa State looks like they could be a pretty good basketball team. At the time, I think a lot of people were still questioning that. Um, but there was a, a a part you know, of the season, about midway through early in Big 12 conference play, where that team looked like they could be a two or a three seed. Now, they, they've fallen off a little bit, but they're still a six seed. They were just a team that got beaten up in that in that conference and oddly enough they're they're a team that it was better now it seems like without the player that really beat Carolina uh, in that game and then you talk about a team that tonight received the number one overall seed in the tournament Alabama Carolina took them to four overtimes but what I will say is, is that those games were pretty much the definition of what this season was going to be that's what that was probably something that we should have looked at and said, okay, we could be seeing a lot more of these games coming moving forward because it was a team that just wasn't able to make plays late in the game to win them. Um, and the thing was, we saw the same group of guys make plays when they had to last year in you know the game against Duke at the end of the regular season and then in the NCAA tournament. And I think the biggest missing piece, and it's not, look, I'm not going to pile on the dude because it seems like at this point, his career at Carolina is all but done. And when you look back at his legacy, it will be a complex one. But the first thing you should ever think about when you think about Caleb Love is the shot that he hit against Duke in that tournament run. Because without him, Carolina does not make it, probably doesn't make it out of that Baylor game. Um, although, I mean, he, he did get into foul trouble in that game. To be honest, who knows if they, if they even make it to the NCAA tournament, if he wasn't a part of that team, um, because that he was a big part of what Carolina did in that matchup in Durham at the end of the regular season. But I think him not being the guy that he was in the tournament and being able to hit late shots for this team nearly the entire season was really what hurt this team because they were in so many close games down the stretch. The other issue that Carolina had, they led 
in a lot of those games that they lost. Eight of their 13 losses, they had a lead at some point in the second half. It's just that that's that that's where this team this team was at this year. I think we've we've heard people talk about it before. They don't really talk about it with college basketball. It's more college football. Teams that win close games at an incredibly high rate one season, that luck usually flips around the next season. And I think this season for Carolina basketball was a great representation of that. They had everything break right last year. And they deserve credit for that because they did what they had to do to make things break the right way. This year, they didn't do the right things that they needed to to continue to build on that success. But they also just got some bad luck, shots that didn't go down. And that was ultimately the difference in this season and last season. And this team really ultimately being in the NCAA tournament, which I think once we got to the end of the regular season, that was kind of where we were at with this team. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned something about like recreating a recipe. I, I don't think this team waited or was trying to recreate a recipe from last year. I really don't. Cause uh, well, the comments from Armando Baycott, I'm telling you the, the comments that he made after that game, to me, it seemed like he was saying, there were guys in that locker room that believed, even when they were losing, well, hey, look what we did last year. We can do that again this year. And I think that might have been part of the disconnect in the locker room, that there were certain guys that were like, look, man, we can't bank on that. This is a different team. We don't have Brady. That There's a, there's a reason why we, we you know, we, we are built, we, you know, we brought in Pete and we're built a little bit differently. And I think that never connected with certain guys in that locker room. We don't know who is who is who. We don't know the guys that thought that and the guys that were trying to put last season behind them. But Armando said it that there were guys that you know that, that were focused on last year as opposed to this year. Yeah, and the simple fact of the matter is, is that we. We weren't good and we, we weren't good enough this year to, to to recreate anything or pick up where we we left off from a year ago. And I I think this team knew in the preseason that they didn't have what it was going to take. And I think that's why you saw the team that you saw in November. You know, we thought they looked scared. We thought they looked just kind of overwhelmed by the expectation. And maybe they were, they were, simply put, they just weren't good enough to to be a team that was preseason number one, that had all of the weight and of of the of, of of the expectations to get back to the national championship game. I'm not making excuses for the season. This is Carolina basketball. You know, we already have enough programs on campus that make excuses for why they're not where they, they probably should be. That's not what this program is about, um, and, I, and I'm certainly not going to be about it. But I, I, I do think that, you know, this is one thing that just played a role, is that internally I think I, – I, I, I think – Hubert Davis was made aware. I think he was aware of it from the word go. I think the leadership of the team was aware of it from the word go. And this is where the lack of development during the year really killed them. It really hindered them from becoming a, a tournament team. Had this been a team that still failed to meet the preseason expectations but got better from November to December to January to February into March, this team would be in the tournament. The simple fact of the matter is, is that this team didn't get better from one month to the next. And that's why I I got so frustrated and animated about they never built towards anything. They never carried over success. Nothing ever really felt sustainable. It felt like every game they were tipping off and starting from scratch. 
and not building off of what they did right in the previous games. It was like this is it was like a brand new slate. We got to find a way to try to win this game and do so in different ways because we just can't do things consistently well all season long. When you look at the tournament as a whole, Carolina was the third team left out of the tournament behind Oklahoma State and Rutgers. So I think when you look at those two teams not making the field, I don't think anyone should be outrageously upset about those two teams being left out. You could, but I do think Carolina, and maybe it hurts less that Carolina was, you know, the 71st seeded team as opposed to the 69th, because at least, you know, we were we were three spots away. But I do think if you were to put Oklahoma State and Rutgers on neutral courts, uh, uh, especially Oklahoma State, Carolina would, would beat both of those teams. Rutgers start from November through January. That was a tournament team. That was a team that was ranked inside the top 25 at different parts in the season. But they were the 205th rated team from fe- from February 1st on. So it, it made a lot of sense why they didn't make the field. Well, then you look at the teams that did make the field. Teams that safely made the field, NC State and Utah State. Um, we both said last – I mean, we both are in agreement that NC State tournament team. But NC State should have been in Dayton if, if they were going dancing. Utah State as well. I don't know if Utah State was or is a tournament team. I don't know. I I I, I would Appar- say no. Apparently the Mountain West, we must have missed something. The Mountain West must be this unbelievable conference that we should have been watching all year. Well, I mean, look, it wasn't it was a really good I mean, don't don't get it twisted. There are good basketball teams that exist in that conference. Should the Mountain West have more cred than the ACC? Heck no. And then you see the teams that will play in Dayton. Pittsburgh from the ACC, Mississippi State, Arizona State, and Nevada. And I think this is really where the issue comes in. Is because, you know, we were on the phone as the selection show was unfolding. And I thought when I saw State and Utah State in the field, I kind of liked Carolina's chances to find themselves as an 11 seed. I really did in a in, in a play-in game situation, and that didn't happen. Pittsburgh being a play-in, I think I have a problem with them being in a play-in game as opposed to NC State. This was a team that was playing for an ACC regular season championship the last week of the regular season. So for, for them to get to where they are, I kind of have an issue with, but we were here last year with Notre Dame. Um, although Pittsburgh did have, you know, wins that Notre Dame didn't have a year ago. I mean, they beat a Northwestern team that finished second in the Big Ten by 30 points. They swept Carolina, who, of course, wasn't a tournament team, but you sweep in Carolina, you're doing something right. They were on the bubble, so, yeah. You know, um, Arizona State, I, I think even more so, like, if you would have flipped Arizona State and Utah State, you know, I, I thought Arizona State was a team that should sort of should have safely been in the field. You look at Mississippi State, a lot of it is that the SEC is a lot deeper than the ACC was this year. Um, and I'll be honest and say of the SEC teams that were in consideration down the stretch, that's the team I'd seen the least of. But if you put those two teams on a neutral court, I'm picking Carolina. The one that really just – that really – it makes sense if you look at their quad stuff is Nevada because they've got four quad one wins compared to just one for, for Carolina, but they've got two quad three losses, something Carolina doesn't have. And what just doesn't make sense when you look at Clemson, for instance, who had multiple quad three, quad four losses with losing to the likes of – you know, South Carolina, Loyola, Chicago, and Louisville, that single-handedly kept them out of the field. Yep. But it didn't hurt Nevada. And same, that's same where... Amount, same amount of quad one wins for Clemson, by the way, too. And and Clemson has three double-digit wins over a team in NC State that was solidly in the tournament field. The so that's that where makes... my issue comes in. 
Yeah, the thing that makes no sense about this, and here's here's the ultimate thing. When this comes to Carolina, this does not this does not matter. You should not be mad at the tournament committee for not putting this team in the tournament. You should be mad at this team for not accomplishing what they needed to to get into the tournament field. They they honestly they deserve to be left out. That's why when we talked about it last night. We said, look, this is the case that Carolina has. We did a we we did what we could to lay that out for you guys that are listening. But when at the end of the night, we said ultimately we didn't think they should make it. We thought that they should be either the second, third team, somewhere in that range of being left out. That's exactly where they were. This is more of a conversation. It doesn't really make any sense how they ended up seeding the tournament field. Um, NC State being solidly in, look, man, I'm not going to be that angry about them being solidly in because what I thought when that part of the bracket was revealed was that they were using the eye test. And there have been times this year where NC State looks like a legitimate NCAA tournament solidly in the field team. Okay, so that makes sense. Thought the same thing with Utah State because they had them as a 10 seed. Like that's the thing. Utah State was a solid 10 seed. That is in that that's crazy to me. But okay, they looked at that team and they said to themselves, we think that's a tournament team. Then you go to the teams that are in the actual play-in games, and it feels like the justification for them is that, well, we looked at their resumes. How does that make sense though? So you use the eye test to see the rest of the field. But when it came to the actual play-ins, it seems like you guys just used the metrics to tell you who should have been in. Because I got to be honest with you, I I think that Pittsburgh, to me, should have been solidly in the field over NC State if you're basing it off of metrics. So not really understanding how they're not in. Um, Clemson, dude, I've already said Clemson fans should be absolutely, absolutely irate. They should be losing their minds because that team should, without a doubt, be in. When you, you, when you beat a team that's solidly in the field three times as badly as they did, that should show you that they're a team that should be in the tournament. And again, when I look at them, I watch them. I know they lost by... 20 the other night to Virginia. I watched that team. That team looks like a tournament team. So, I, I mean, look, so and, and some of the other ones, but that's like, look at Rutgers. You're telling me that Mississippi State has a better resume than Rutgers does? Because I don't see that. Like, I, I mean, I guess for Rutgers, you're, you're basically saying that the reason that they got left out of the tournament was because of their loss to Minnesota. But it's just there's so many different things that seem to go into this conversation. It's it's not clear it's not clear at all as to well, what I, they actually I, what, what actually matters to them. I I think what really carries carries weight for a team like NC State was like for them it was the win over Duke the way they beat Duke. And where Duke ended up, but that's, but they also but that's one Duke. win. Clemson has also, three wins like that, and they're not in. Like, yeah, you know they they beat Duke in blowout fashion, but they did it in January. They didn't blow out the Duke team that that we've seen the last month and a half, which a yeah, lot of people yeah. believe has a lot of as as a very good chance to make the final four play for a national championship, if not win the whole blessed thing. And so that's the really glaring thing that Carolina didn't have is they had a single quad one victory all year long. And, you know, when you look at wins over teams that are in the field, they had one win over Virginia. Mm-hmm. They had one win over NC State. Had they had they beaten Alabama? Had they beaten Iowa State? 
had they beaten Duke, we're not having this conversation. Like, Carolina would be in the tournament had they won one of those four games. And this is where it comes back to, you look at the Iowa State game. You led at the under-four TV timeout. You look at the Alabama game. I know it was an instant classic that you went to four overtimes with, but that means you had a lot of chances to win the game. You look at the two Duke games. Let's just focus primarily on the second one because that game was at home with you knowing kind of like a year ago when you went on the road and did it, if you win, you're pretty much in, barring a letdown in the ACC tournament. So my my issue with when it really comes to, you know, Nevada getting in is that because the quad three losses didn't seem to, to affect them. Um, you know, and, and it feels like with other teams, their quad one wins negate their quad three or quad four defeats. But for other teams, you know, if 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 you if you have good wins, it doesn't matter if you had bad losses. Needless to say, look, the flaw the 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 net system is flawed. And the best way to avoid this is to take care of business. You know, I've seen a lot of people complaining about, you know, not being rewarded for playing a tough schedule. Well, it's hard to be rewarded for it when you don't win a lot of those tough games. Like, if, if you if you split some of those games, and, I mean, you got to look at it, you know, for, uh, Ohio State and Michigan on paper, especially with Ohio State falling outside of the top 50, wasn't a good win. So neither was was Michigan in totality. You know, the, the, the loss at Indiana was probably the most understandable just because historically in that venue doesn't go very well for Carolina basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, even though Iowa State turned out to have a really good season and they're playing strong entering the field, entering the tournament, that's a game that Carolina probably shouldn't have lost. And then Alabama, I know they're the number one overall seed. Um and they have a legitimate shot, a little a legitimate shot to win the national championship. But again, neutral floor. You would imagine that that Carolina would win the game. And like I said, if Carolina wins one, two of those games, whatever, you're not. We're not having this discussion. You're having a discussion of Carolina being probably even with one of those wins. I I, I would truly believe Carolina would be a ten seed, or or an eleven seed not playing in a playing game. Like, they would be solidly in the field, and we would be sitting here instead of talking about how can they go on another deep run and previewing a first-round matchup against another quality opponent. And yep. that's just that's just not the reality of the situation. Yeah. I mean, you're you're 100% right. Um, I just, yeah, I, I don't – I, I there, there's so many opportunities. I mean, so many games that you look back to and you think, okay, if they win this game, if they find a way to do, yeah, I mean, again, you said it, if they win one, if they, I mean, if they win two, this team's probably wearing home uniforms in one of their matchups. Like that is, that is how much of a difference you would feel like it would have made. And that's the thing that I think a lot of these guys are going to have to come to terms with. Um, but I, I mean, to be honest with you, I think there's a question of does that do, do most of these guys really care? Like, I don't, I don't know if it really affects these guys, you know. And at this point, I'm not taking a shot at these guys. There's a lot of people I want to say, well, you know, all oh, these guys are just quitters, all this stuff, dude. This team, this team just did not work together. People are were wanting Hubert Davis to rally the troops. It was, guys, it was not happening. It just wasn't. They did not, you could tell the other night, that team wanted to get out of that locker room and have this season be over as much as any season in the history of maybe of sports. I have never seen a locker room that has looked like that. It's up there. So, I, I mean, it just, it is what it is. 
And I mean, yeah, Hubert's got to take some of the blame for that. But the other part of it is, is that these players, for some reason, something, something has happened between these guys. I don't know what it is, but there is clearly something that we don't know about that has created a complete divide in that locker room. There are people that cover this team that probably do know what that issue is, but smartly, they won't release that, nor should they. They respect these kids, let them just move on with their lives, but there was a rift with this team the entire season, and it's it's a big part of why you saw what you did on the court for the majority of the year. And now, you know, it 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 makes a lot of sense. The thing I don't really understand about this fan base complaining, um, you know, about uh, about everything that is going on is that, you know, middle of the season, they didn't want to see this team play ever again. And yet, here we sit with people just outraged that this team is 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 not playing again when we've seen time and time again especially as the season wore along that there was almost a a relief factor to not being out there and playing um so i i mean it's it's frustrating because you feel like carolina had a chance to get in um we again i said it last night that people were talking about how you know the bubble we hear every year that it's weak oh i get that but this year's bubble felt incredibly weak um especially if you are somebody that goes by the metrics you you are talking about uh you know teams that had one two quad one wins that made the field and made the field solidly like that's that's where you're at with this tournament um so i it's just if you turn around a result or two then this team is in a much better spot but now it's it's about trying to rally and, and figure out the direction of this program moving forward. Yeah, and that, that gets to start right away as Carolina did decline an invitation to the NIT. We'll talk about that and more when we come back on this edition of the Four Corners Podcast, back after this message from DraftKings. Ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook? The biggest tournament in college basketball is officially here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can score a no-sweat bet during round one and round two of the tournament. Go to the... DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Opt in and place a no-sweat bet this weekend. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. So whether you want to bet on the upsets, the 215s, the 314s, the the 512s, or you just want to go all chalk, you can do all that with the no-sweat bet feature at DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly with that promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of all the good offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast as i mentioned before we went to break carolina did decline an invitation to compete in the in the, the the nit invitational um which was something i i think we knew was definitely on the table uh the players were asked about it after they lost to virginia the other night in the acc tournament and they were some non-committal answers i believe caleb Love was the only guy that said you know, if if we go, I will I will suit up and go. Um, and, and so here was the mess, or here was the quote from Coach Davis that the Carolina basketball account tweeted after Carolina not only missed out on the NCAA tournament but declined the invita- the invitation to the NIT. Hubert said, "Quote: All season, our focus and goal have been on being the best team we can possibly become and reaching our full potential." 
to give us another opportunity to to compete, play for, and win an NCAA championship. Although we no longer have that opportunity, and this season wasn't what we had hoped for, I want to thank our players and staff for their hard work and love for Carolina basketball. Many factors go into postseason play, and we believe now is the time to focus on moving ahead, preparing for next season, and the opportunity to again compete for ACC and NCAA championships. I also want to thank our great fans for their incredible support. Our commitment to you is what drives us to improve our program in every way, end quote. You know, I got asked this question a few weeks ago, if Carolina were to miss the tournament, should they go to the NIT? And at the time I said, yes. Um, mainly because I didn't think Carolina was not going to miss the NCAA tournament. I thought they'd beat Duke. And then when that didn't happen, I was dumb enough to to pick them to win the ACC tournament. <laughs> After that didn't happen, and, you know, doing the things that I do for this podcast with all the reading that I do, the writing that I do, and more importantly, the listening that I do. When I listened to that locker room after the loss to Virginia, that answer became no. Um, and, and look, people are going to have their, you know, this fan base is going to rip him, was going to rip Coach Davis to, to shreds. They're going to rip these players to shreds. And for a lot of that, I understand, because it does come across kind of cowardly that you start preseason number one. And because you don't make the tournament, you don't want to go play in a less meaningful tournament. But right now, that's what's best for Carolina basketball. And I'm in the business of what's doing what's best for Carolina basketball. And what's best for this program is to get a head start on the overhaul and the rebuild this program needs to, to go under. For us to be a not even a to let, not even be a championship team next year. It'll be a tournament team next year. Um, because you got to remember, folks, the portal opens up this week. So, you know, we spent really the last two-thirds of the month uh, of the year griping and complaining about the guys that we didn't get. Well, we didn't get to get those guys because we were playing in the NCAA tournament. So we we weren't were focusing on the portal like we were the opponents we were preparing for in March Madness. We don't have to worry about that this year. And as we know, there's going to be, you know, 1,500 kids in the portal. And there are going to be plenty of players that are going to be capable of helping Carolina return to a top of the ACC. And it's not just the guys that are going to be in the portal Carolina's got to get their eyes on. But you know the thing that sucks after seasons like this is you gotta you gotta have hard conversations with your current players and figure out you know first off who do, who do you want to come back and be a part of your program, which I think is something that has to be identified because for the better part of the of the last two years we have questioned their effort and care factor, um, and then figuring out for the guys that want to stay, understanding that this is what we envision for you, and if you don't agree, you know, we will help you go find somewhere else. And, and so I think that's that's the thing right now is that's what that's what needs to be the focus is you know tighten up the screws on the twenty four recruiting class. You got a big commitment coming up on Friday that will do a lot of things having conversations with those commits. Maybe it's an Elliot Cadu. Maybe it's an Ian Jackson about reclassifying and coming in in 23 to help this program reach or, or, or get back to where it's supposed to be. That's what Carolina needs to do right now. And for those of you that, that said that, we well, you know, Coach Williams wouldn't have done this. Well, when, when we went to the NIT in 2010, Carolina wasn't in need of a rebuild. The program didn't need to be overhauled. You just experienced a season where you lost over 90% of production from one of the greatest teams in the history of college basketball. Yeah. And then yep. you you enter this year, you enter that year with high expectations and guys that you you envisioned playing big roles, A, just weren't good enough. And then B, 
you were you had injuries that really took you out of ACC play the second half of the year because you didn't have depth. So that made sense. Like 2011 doesn't happen. That team that won an ACC regular season title that went to the Elite Eight. That doesn't happen if Carolina doesn't play the 2010 NIT, which ended up with them playing for the NIT title against Dayton. Well, Carolina's in a different spot right now. You you don't you don't have the same amount of guys that you can identify saying they're coming back next year and they're gonna be a big part of what we're what we're gonna try to do and try to accomplish. That's not where we are. You gotta go probably find a couple guys to help you. And so for for all these fans that 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 are frustrated by this, I get it. Because you you'd love to see, you know, just from a, a, a competitive standpoint, this team try to go right the wrong and stuff like that. But let's be honest, folks. Riding the wrong by winning an NIT title doesn't make amends for what happened. It doesn't make not making the tournament less painful. It still qualifies as a disappointment and a failure of the season. So let's just put, you know, let's start burying the hatchet. Let's start burying this season behind us and getting on to next year. So I, I have absolutely no issue with Carolina not competing in the NIT. I don't either, um, because it's a decision that was that was made by Hubert. And to be honest with you, it seems like from some of the reporting around the situation inside Carolina, I know had something up about it. Um, this this was pretty much forced. There was no way that a majority of these guys were going to play. And I was look, I'm the guy that said that I would like to see them play some of the young guys, but I don't know, like, do the young guys even want to play in this? Because we're seeing a lot of people right now that are saying there are some young guys that are not happy with the situation that's going on here. So would they even play in, in the NIT? Or could this become a situation where, let's say Carolina had accepted the invitation as you pointed out you know that there you know are guys that um you know what we wanted to see get a little more playing time this year and i think fans that's that's ultimately what what people want to see but we're we're in a new era we're we're in a much different era and you you said it that's what you were saying um that the portal opens next week so you're going to start seeing these dudes that are going to probably start putting their names into the portal if if, if they want to. You're they're not going to wait around. Why would they wait around for an NIT tournament if they, you know, are wanting to enter the portal? Like there's no pride in winning the NIT tournament. There's not. I, I don't care what anybody says. Well, you know, you wouldn't quit on the season. Okay, but would you hang that banner up in there if you won the NIT tournament? I wouldn't want that hung up in there. This this is not the old days where the NIT actually meant something. No, the NIT is meaningless unless you are a team that is trying to build for next season. Some of the smaller conferences, yeah, it's it's probably a lot more meaningful to them, just like when it comes to bowl games and college football. If you finish second place in your conference and you go to the NIT tournament, it's probably a big deal for your program in a mid-major conference. Not here. So, I mean, look, I get it. I get what people are saying as well. I think it's one of those things where, yeah, you're going to have to hear from a lot of other fan bases that you had guys that 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 quit, and that should be something also that that probably frustrates you a little bit that there were guys that were looking for you know for a way to basically get out of this season as quickly as possible. But at the same time, this is a move that I think Hubert had to make because he was forced to. And I think, as you said, for the direction of the program overall, because now you can get a, a jump on next year. Because right now, you're going to have to go into the transfer portal. I know there are people that are saying, well, we shouldn't really want to go into the transfer portal because we haven't really had a ton of success under Hubert Davis. My thing about that argument 
is that that argument is completely asinine because when they landed these guys out of the transfer portal outside of Justin McCoy, that was one where maybe some people questioned that and said, does he really fit here? Is he, you know, is he a guy that really just wasn't able to get on the court at Virginia? Or was he just a guy that was not a division one player, a a power conference player, I should say. Turns out that was, that, that was what it was. He's probably a guy that if he is going to transfer, he's going to transfer to a smaller school and it might work out well for him. We've seen a few guys like that the last few years, Walker Miller, Andrew Playtech are guys that come to mind. But for these other guys, these other three transfers when they were brought in, well, first of all, Brady Manick, I mean, again, you may have to hang that dude's jersey up in the rafters because he may be the most important glue guy in the history of the program because this team was a complete shell of itself without him there. His value cannot be stated enough. This dude was what held this locker room together, clearly. Then you go to the other two guys that are getting a lot of criticism. Well, Dawson Garcia was the guy that we all we all wanted. Everybody said that when he was in the portal, they saw that name and saw what he did to Carolina in that game in the Smith Center, the only loss that year for Carolina at home in Coach Williams' final season in Chapel Hill. So we all wanted that. That one just didn't turn out to work out all that well. Although, to be honest with you, that story, that was one that could still have been written if he doesn't get injured. Who knows what ends up happening? He was a guy that was only a sophomore, not like Pete Nance. So he would have had some time to sort of get acclimated to Chapel Hill and the way Carolina played. And maybe things would have been different. When it comes to Pete Nance, man, Pete Nance is one of those guys that he just, he fit the role that he had at Northwestern where he played the five. He could stretch the floor though. Carolina thought he would be able to do a similar thing here. And they, I think one of the issues that they had was Hubert Davis and this coaching staff did try to make him a little bit too much like what Brady Manick was a year ago. When, as we saw in the game against Notre Dame and a couple other times late in the season, playing him as an inside out player and a guy that could stretch the floor from you from to, for you from time to time, but really did um, you know about fifty to sixty percent of his work from inside the arc probably would have served you a, a little bit better. Um, that's something where, as a as a guy that was an inexperienced coach and still is in Hubert Davis, you probably look back and reflect on that and maybe have some regrets. But Carolina has done a good job of getting the guys that they've wanted in the portal and that fans have wanted them to get in the portal. And if you're going to come back and say, well, why didn't they get Terrence Shannon or Matthew Mayer? Well, they they went after both of those guys. First of all, Terrence Shannon didn't even give anybody a chance to really go after him. He, you know, Carolina, you saw, of course, Armando Baycott reached out to him on social media. He almost immediately after that, was already with Illinois. Um, Matthew Mayer, Carolina went hard after him. They just didn't get him. I don't know what Illinois, I don't know if it was NIL or what, they felt like they were better fits there. What are you supposed to do if you are Hubert Davis? Kidnap these these guys and bring them to campus and tell them you need to play here? I, I just like, what more do you, so the guy that everybody then settled on was Pete Nance. And that was the guy that sort of fit what they needed to do best. And I've seen some people that have said now tonight, and I I don't know how this is now just coming up tonight. If you really felt this way, maybe you should have said something during the season. Well, Puff Johnson should have been starting the whole year. Guys, what did Puff Johnson do this year that would tell you the results of this season would be that much better than with Pete Nance in there? I don't know. Maybe if Puff starts, it really is that much better. He looked good in his one start against Louisville. But my thing with Puff was he was still injured throughout the season. I I told you 
you know, when we were talking about him, I don't even remember which pod. These are all running together now um, with how chaotic it's been at the end of the season. But there was a game early in the year. I think it was the Virginia Tech game, but it might have been a different one where he came off the floor and he was holding one of his knees. He got evaluated. He eventually went back into that game. I don't think this dude was 100% for the majority of the season. And that's been his biggest problem. That's nothing on him. He can't control that. And that's part of the reason why I don't think he would be much more help for this team because he just, he has never had a period of time where he has been able to grow as a player. Even this offseason, he was hurt at the beginning of the year. Remember, he, he, he set out the exhibition that Carolina played. Like, they, this has been a problem for him the entire time he's been here, and it's prevented him from being able to grow. So they had to go get Pete Nance. But people are not – they're, they're not going to let that go. They're going to say, well, this guy just cannot get transfers in the portal. I think this year, you know, you're in a spot where now not going to the postseason, you, you can get a pretty good head start on going after some guys. And if there are other guys that are wanting to transfer out of this program, there are some rumors that apparently the freshmen have varying degrees of frustration with the situation. Well, then you need to take the approach that we've seen from guys like Steve Forbes and others throughout the country where we're looking at multiple transfers. We're talking about three, four. And hey, if they fit what you want to do, then let's go out and get them. And, and when it comes to the freshmen, I mean, dude, I really don't know what to tell these guys. Like, I, I you were guys that were going to be developmental players coming in. You played some early in the year. Clearly, you didn't show enough to the coaching staff for them to feel confident that you would be better off playing over the guys that were in front of you. There were never, there was never a time I watched these guys play and said, man, could, we, we should be having these guys on the floor playing significant minutes. Why are they not playing over certain guys? The one guy that I have frustrations with that Hubert Davis did not play, and I would love an answer for, is Dontrez Styles. Because when it came to the freshman, Seth Trimble looked like a freshman point guard. In a Carolina system, it was going to take him time to build. Jalen Washington was a guy that looked like he wasn't able to practice into the season. And when he did eventually get onto the floor, you could see that he was undersized, could be taken advantage of on the defensive end. And yeah, he flashed against Virginia. Remember, that all came in the first half. In the second half, when Virginia started throwing some different things at him and some different looks that he had never seen, he was a guy that needed time to adjust. It's going to take him a little bit of time to be able to handle that. And Tyler Nickel, people think that Tyler Nickel was supposed to be this five-star prospect that came in. Guys, Tyler Nickel was a dude that at one point was ranked outside of the top 100 prospects in that class. He climbed. He finished 84th in that class. And I think he has a chance to be a really good player because he plays hard. But there were moments where teams took advantage of him on the defensive end of the floor, and he wasn't exactly a guy that was lighting it up from deep. So they are developmental guys, and I hope they realize that because I don't think this was something personal about Huber just not wanting to play these dudes. I feel like Huber played the guys that he felt had the best chance to win them games and get them to a place where they could compete for the NCAA tournament, which, as he stated in his response, was their ultimate goal. Well, after that monologue, guys, I don't really have a whole lot left to offer. Um, we're going to be here all offseason, though, breaking down what's, what's going to be a very hectic, chaotic... This going to be... This could be a make-or-break offseason for for the Hubert Davis era in Chapel Hill. That's that's just kind of where they are right now because after this type of year there are just no there there are no easy answers. There is no easy solution. There is no quick fix that we can identify that that says that that Carolina will be back among the ACC's elite and the nation's elite 
next season. So with whether guys are coming back, guys that are leaving, players that are identified in the portal, um, sh- uh, uh, a shakeup on the coaching staff, no matter what it is, we'll be here on the podcast. And, of course, we'll have you covered on HeelToughBlog.com where – you can go and read about Carolina missing out on the tournament. We dive in and compare some of the resumes of the teams that made the field over Carolina and were left out of the field with Carolina. And as I mentioned, with all the offseason news, we'll have you covered on that on the website as well. Of course, spring football, uh, we'll have you covered with that as, as a very important spring for Mac Brown and his program is underway in Chapel Hill, and with the NFL draft right around the corner, Anthony will have you covered as uh, a handful of Tar Heels are coming off their combine performances and will be gearing up for their pro days here in the near future. All that content and more, that's HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any any dishes of the show this offseason. All the all the transfer portal news, all the all the current roster news, recruiting news, interviews. I've already got Josh Grant scheduled to come on and recap this season with us. Don't miss any of those editions of the podcast. Hit that subscribe button, and we'll have you covered here all offseason long on the Four Corners podcast. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!